The difference between war and terrorism is that war is, in theory, governed by international law, whereas terrorism is criminal in nature and execution. So where does that leave the use of mercenaries in modern warfare, and particularly the infamous Wagner Group? That is the subject of this episode of The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. Welcome to Episode 62 of The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare. I'm Chris Mayer, retired U.S. Cavalry Colonel, former instructor of the U.S. Army's Command and General Staff College, the Naval War College, and currently contract faculty for the Army War College. These podcasts introduce what I believe are enduring lessons of war, lessons for any citizen to use in fulfilling their role in our country's deliberations about war, peace, and everything in between. These podcasts are not monetized or sponsored, not even by you, the listeners. If you would like these podcasts to continue, if you think these are worthwhile, then please don't hesitate to hit the like button and let me know. In the previous podcast, episode 61, I mentioned a Council of Europe document that addressed the issue of terrorism and war crimes, specifically when a terrorist organization becomes a subject of the laws of war. That document dealt with organizations that become a party to the armed conflict as though they were a state. Private military companies and quasi-mercenary organizations are not themselves acting as states. But when working in a paramilitary force under the direction of a state, they could be in the same situation. That is, subject to both the laws and customs of war and applicable national laws governing terrorism. First, a few words about mercenaries and international law. There are several international conventions that define what a mercenary is and state that mercenaries have no combatant privilege, nor do they have the right to be treated as prisoners of war if captured. That would mean that these mercenaries could be charged with and tried for murder, other forms of homicide, and destruction of property associated with their direct participation in hostilities. Now, a significant problem with these conventions is the definition of mercenary, which is substantially the same in each one of them. To keep this podcast from being about the deficiency of international law regarding mercenaries, I'll just leave it that the definition is so restrictive that almost no person we would usually think of as being a mercenary meets all of the necessary criteria in these conventions. For our purpose here, it's enough to say that Wagner and similar actors in Ukraine do not meet all the criteria for being a mercenary under these conventions, no matter the common sense would seem otherwise. Therefore, their legal status depends upon meeting or not meeting the criteria for being recognized as qualified combatants under the laws and customs of war. So, if they can't be charged with the theoretical crime of being a mercenary, which I should note is not a crime under U.S. law or any treaty or convention the United States is a party to, then what accountability mechanisms are available to hold Wagner and similar entities accountable for their actions, and what crimes can they be held accountable for? Are they terrorists? Are they legitimate combatants? Are they both? Or something else? To be a qualified combatant under the law of war, individuals must be members of an organization or armed group that is recognized as a component of the armed forces of a state that is a party to the conflict. In other words, you have to be a member of the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or whatever of a state. 
Therefore, if Wagner or similar organizations are part of the Russian army, subject to the orders and discipline of the Russian military command structure, then the accountability mechanisms are national military regulations, the international conventions that make up the law of war, also called the law of armed conflict, and other international statutes such as crimes against humanity. On the other hand, according to the commentary to the Geneva Conventions published by the International Committee of the Red Cross, quote, those who take part in the struggle while not belonging to the armed forces are acting deliberately outside the laws of warfare, unquote. In which case, I would suggest, the Wagner group in Ukraine would be terrorists. So, which is it? And this is where we run into the first problem. Previously, the activity or even the existence of the Wagner Group was denied by Moscow and the government of the country they were operating in. As an aside, in mantra document terms, these would be the home state and the territorial state. Since Wagner does not operate in an open manner, we can only conjecture about what Montreux refers to as contracting states. The denial of Wagner was important so that Moscow could deny its own involvement in various conflicts where Wagner operated, or in the case of Syria, to distance Wagner's actions from those of the Russian armed forces. This is covered more in depth in episode 54. However, in September of 2022, Russian kleptocrat Yevgeny Prigozhin publicly admitted that he controlled Wagner. His public statements also make it clear that Moscow is providing the Wagner Group with armaments and ammunition, and he called on the Russian government to formally recognize it. This has not yet happened, at least as of the time that I'm putting this together. So then, as of this recording, the Wagner Group is not a recognized component of the Russian army. Without that recognition, the law of war offers another option where Wagner operatives could be considered qualified combatants. This is the militia clause in the Hague and Geneva Conventions. These state that militias and volunteer corps are qualified belligerents so long as 1. It is commanded by a person responsible for his subordinates. 2. It has a fixed distinctive emblem recognizable at a distance. 3. Militia members carry arms openly, and four, the militia conducts its operations in accordance with the laws and customs of war. From what is available through open sources, Wagner seems to meet the second and third requirements. They wear the distinctive uniform of the Russian armed forces, and they carry arms openly. The first requirement is questionable. Who commands Wagner formations in the field? Who does that commander report to? Does the Russian army exercise effective command and control over Wagner? There are reports that indicate that such command and control may be tenuous, but that appearance could also be a way of avoiding responsibility for Wagner's misconduct or possible failures. Numerous reports indicate that the Wagner group does not meet the fourth requirement at all. Wagner operatives have been widely accused of conduct rising to the level of war crimes wherever they have operated in Ukraine. However, according to the Department of Defense Law of War Manual, the fourth requirement refers to the organization as a whole. So, the determining factor is whether the Wagner Group requires its members to follow the law of war or whether its policies ignore or even contravene the law of war. The evidence seems to indicate guilt for the organization as a whole, that alleged criminal acts are systemic to the organization. But there's no authoritative judgment in this. 
Without such proof to the contrary, the law of war requires the Wagner Group to be treated as a legitimate militia, and therefore the group and its members are qualified combatants. Maybe. Now, before I go on, I want to state very clearly that I am not a specialist in international law. My background in the law of war is only what any senior military officer should have, as described in and demanded by the law of war itself. If any listener to this podcast is a law of war expert and disagrees with what I say in this, or any of my other podcasts, please leave a comment. So, in my opinion... Although Wagner could be considered a militia under the laws of war, and members of militias can be qualified combatants, the issue that Moscow continues to deny recognition to the Wagner group is important. Without that recognition, we can make the argument that Wagner is, instead, a non-state armed group, and therefore unprivileged to engage in hostilities against the sovereign state, according to that commentary from the Red Cross that I cited earlier. Although unprivileged, the International Committee of the Red Cross also states that direct participation in hostilities by such persons is not itself a violation of the law of armed conflict. However, those personnel, if captured, can be tried under the relevant national law for any deaths, injuries, or destruction caused by those personnel. Further, as members of a non-state armed group, Wagner personnel, if captured, would not be entitled to protections as prisoners of war. This, however, all depends on Moscow's continued denial of any recognized status for Wagner. So, maybe they're qualified belligerents and maybe they're not. But are they terrorists? Is that even important? If Wagner is a qualified belligerent and its members are qualified combatants, then any terrorist-like activity committed by them would be a war crime and potentially participation in crimes against humanity. However, enforcing the law of war is primarily up to the state that is the authority for conducting the war. That may seem strange, but it's the way things are. Only in exceptional circumstances, usually after war, might an international tribunal come into play. So for crimes alleged against members of the Wagner group, the principal prosecuting authority would be Russia. However, Russia doesn't seem to be very interested in doing this. In the event of a Wagner operative being captured by Ukraine, then Kiev might also pursue war crime charges. Similarly, charges associated with illegitimate direct participation in hostilities will require Ukraine to capture those personnel on the battlefield. Currently, Kiev and various international entities are collecting evidence for war crimes indictments, but barring capture of these persons, not much is likely to come of it. Forgive me if I think that any peace settlement is going to exclude extraditing Russian military personnel for war crimes. A question before the U.S. Congress is whether to declare the Wagner Group a foreign terrorist organization. The issue is one of accountability, that is, being able to hold the Wagner Group, its officers and operatives, and supporting entities accountable under law, both international law and U.S. law, for actions that amount to terrorism. In the last episode, I mentioned some different definitions of terrorism, but when discussing a foreign terrorist organization, we're interested in the definition in Section 140-D2 of the Foreign Relations Authorization Act for fiscal years 1988 and 1989. You don't need to remember that. 
what you need to remember is that it defines terrorism as premeditated, politically motivated violence perpetrated against non-combatant targets by subnational groups or clandestine agents. So, since Wagner can be categorized as a subnational group, the terrorism label is valid. Designating Wagner as a foreign terrorist organization can close the gap between war crimes that may not be enforced and terrorist acts which can be enforced under U.S. law. This designation would also support similar, already taken actions by the European Union and NATO. It's important to remember that Russian-sponsored quasi-mercenary organizations continue to operate in Syria and in several countries in Africa. These activities are not protected in any way under the laws of war, and designation as a foreign terrorist organization can address the crimes committed by Wagner in these other countries. The Wagner Group, Evgeny Prigozhin, and affiliated persons and organizations are already under U.S. Treasury sanctions, but designation as a foreign terrorist organization will enable application of other critical components of U.S. criminal law. In summary, the Wagner Group's operations in Ukraine certainly appear to violate the laws and customs of war. However, unless it can be proven that the Wagner Group is not a lawful combatant, then they should be considered as having all the responsibilities, privileges, and protections of any armed force in an international armed conflict. If, however, it can be proven that Wagner is an unprivileged belligerent in that conflict, then it and its members can be treated as terrorists. Outside of Ukraine, the Wagner Group and its members are clearly not operating as members of the armed forces of a state, and any misconduct can be charged under relevant civilian law. In either case, designating Wagner as a foreign terrorist organization will greatly assist in holding Wagner, its officers, and fighters accountable for their terrorist acts. Once again, these episodes are not monetized or sponsored. So if you'd like these episodes to continue, if you think these are worthwhile, then hit the like button and share the podcast. Please join me again in the next episode of The Ancient Art of Modern Warfare.